0: The following podcast is for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed therein are not necessarily those of Canal Insurance Company. This information is not designed to replace, substitute, or supplement our client's independent obligation to comply with any laws or regulations. Listeners should complete their own independent research in creation and development of their company's risk management and safety programs.
1: Welcome to episode 20 of Holland Notes podcast by Canal Insurance. I'm Bob Peru, Senior Loss Prevention Specialist at Canal. This week's guests are Alan Campos and Ismael Perez with Canal SIU, our Special Investigation Unit. As a leader in commercial transportation insurance, Canal Insurance Company is dedicated to fighting the insurance fraud problem and protecting its customers from increased costs due to fraudulent non-meritorious claims. We are committed to an aggressive prevention, detection and investigation plan to provide the highest quality service to our customers. Canal has a dedicated staff of experienced investigators whose primary role is identifying suspected fraud and taking action when fraud is present. It is estimated that insurance fraud costs our country more than $30 billion a year raised premiums due to the result of insurance fraud cost the average family roughly four to seven hundred dollars a year and certainly much more than uh, that to the average trucker and the trucking company canal special engaged investigation unit maintains primary responsibility for detecting investigating and assisting in the prosecution of those who attempt to defraud the insurance company or attempt to obtain uh, benefits to which they are not rightfully entitled. In my conversation with Alan and Ismail, we discussed how to protect your cargo against theft, rest stop safety tips, minimizing risk, and reporting criminal activity. Alan, Ismail, and I hit on the top things that you should and should not do at the rest stops to protect your cargo. The most common scenarios of cargo theft, why and how to accurately report suspicious or criminal activity, and much more. I learned so much through my conversation with Ismail and Alan, and I know that you'll be just as intrigued as I was. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, Ismail. I know you've been in law enforcement for more than 15 years and have a lot of experience, and you've been at Canal over eight years as an SIU investigator. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing at Canal?
2: Yes, Bob. When I started back in law enforcement back in uh, when I was 19 years old, at a young age, a <laughs> long time ago. I uh, I did uh, start a patrol. I did some uh, long stint in uh, traffic investigations and uh, enforcement. I was able to, I was fortunate to ride a motorcycle for a lot of years. That was fun. I also uh, did uh, investigations, criminal investigations division. I was in there for a while before I left and uh, moved over here to Greenville where I worked with the sheriff's office. Area. Did some patroller. Uh, I got the opportunity um, to work at Canal as, a, as an SIU investigator. And I've been uh, here. So far, eight years doing SIU. I'm the senior investigator now, uh, working alongside with uh, my partner, Alan Campos.
1: Well, that sounds like a pretty impressive career so far. How about you, Alan? Uh, Give us a little background about yourself, would you please?
0: Sure, Bob. Um, Just like Izzy, I was a law enforcement officer down in South Florida. I was down there for uh, about 19 years. Um, just like every other law enforcement officer in the, in the country, um, began my career as a uh, patrol officer, uh, moved into um, financial crimes investigations, did a couple of years there, a couple of years in auto theft investigations, narcotics, um, you know, some um, specialized task forces that we were worked on, and I uh, spent uh, just about 17 out of those 19 years in some type of an investigative role um dealing with all different kinds of uh, criminal activity um i've now been here at canal insurance for the last uh four years it'll be almost five years this september and um you know i'm just happy to be part of that team here in siu um you know help fight fraud
1: Well, excellent. Uh, I know you guys got a heck of a job and, uh, you know, uh, SIU sounds like such an impressive and strong title, you know, and uh, I know there's a lot of responsibility uh, behind that. So, uh, so basically, give me a brief overview and let's discuss a little bit about what an SIU investigator does.
2: Yeah, Bob. So, um, we work quietly in the background. We mostly assist and do our investigations to help out You know, the claims uh, department. We assist underwriting department. And we also assist company as a whole. Basically SIU, uh, our main objective is to fight fraud. And we do that several different ways. Uh, most importantly, um, we train uh, the employees on what to look for, what are the current trends, what they should be looking at on a claim file, what what happens out in the field in the accidents that, that they should, you know, have that other sense in which we're looking at the field, they should be taking a second look. Um, and we we'll call them red flags. Um, we train them on what red flags to look for. We also attend trainings ourselves where we learn what the current trends and what's occurring out there, what the criminals are doing on a day to day basis, and what we should. Go ahead and, and, and forward out to our employees during these trainings. In addition to, we we serve as a liaison between um, the insurance company and the other insurance carriers. We exchange information between uh, Canal's SIU and other carriers' SIUs, what they're seeing, what we're seeing. If we've had an issue with the same you know trucking company or, or same individual, who staged an accident or caused fraud against our company? In addition to, we reach out to uh, law enforcement to help uh, the adjusters communicate with law enforcement and sometimes some of issues communicating and finding some information out that our experience um, from our previous careers helps us um, get that information sometimes. And, and you can build a good report sometimes with law enforcement that helps in our investigations. Conduct internal investigations for the company and do a bunch of other little tasks in the background. that at the end of the day, our uh, uh, company, Alan, anything you
1: can pick up that I left out? Wow, that's uh pretty impressive stuff. Uh, so, uh, what kind of fraud trends uh, are you guys encountering these days?
2: Oh. We could start off basically with uh, one that that, uh, we've seen an uptick is uh, on phantom accidents. And by phantom accidents, uh, you know, the word, the title itself is self-explanatory, but um, just pretty much just people driving up to our cars, our tractors, the ones we are insurance tractors, and just mapping a picture of a tag or, or the side emblem or company names on there. And they'll go ahead and report an accident. It never actually occurred. They'll say I was driving through this route and so-and-so uh, trucking company cut me off. And as I was, you know, it sounds ridiculous saying it, but they 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 make up these stories and they say, I was, right, right before I lost control, I had taken a picture of it. Or right after I lost control, I, I was able to drive off and, and and take a quick snap of the company logo. Uh, but they'll go and they'll go ahead and report it as a hit and run. They'll claim injuries. They'll go ahead and seek an, uh, an attorney that will take the case, and from there they'll just seek treatment, claim injuries, and go on from there. Uh, they'll, say, they'll sometimes they'll show they'll show damages that they already have in the car, as and they'll claim that those and those damages occurred in that phantom accident, and they'll go ahead also and. Uh, They'll do it with a vehicle that's already been damaged. That's like a salvage vehicle. They'll rent. They'll purchase a you know previously damaged salvage vehicle. It's been sold. Uh, they'll that salvage, and they'll go ahead and commit these crimes. Up front, they don't have a big cost, but they will get the money in. The end. Well, so
1: basically, uh, you, you know, it's really, really, really kind of funny that uh, I'm noticing more and more of our insurers now are using dash cams and. Uh, Uh, They're also using side cameras now on a lot of our uh, insured, so that's going to help us uh, determine uh, who's at fault in a lot of these accidents, and uh, I think uh, as uh, time goes on, you're going to see more and more of that being standardized in our trucking industry.
2: Absolutely, and that's That's a good way to uh, counter those When they make these claims against our insurers um, we always recommend the drivers to keep uh, good gps records of their routes um dash cameras like you just said those are great Uh, we've we've been able to assist on a lot of uh of these fraudulent claims with with the dash cameras which been very helpful um be on the lookout you know for suspicious people driving uh next to your truck trying to record you Uh, you're suspiciously trying to hit a the brakes and, and you know, this, these uh phantom accidents also, you know, they bleed into other types of, of accidents that are actually caused. So the tips on this uh phantom accidents also can help us on on topics that we can, you know, speak about later on, but um you know, where people intentionally actually do hit our vehicles uh, and cause accidents and then allege that we were the ones that caused it. But at the, at the end, the dash cameras, the GPS recording, And being just being very cautious on uh, driving, you know, with a head on the swivel and defensive. Um, always knowing that there's somebody always out there just trying to get you, (laughs) trying to get that extra money by causing these fraudulent um, accidents. Yeah, Uh, but go ahead. Uh,
1: are are you guys able to uh disprove a lot of those phantom accidents uh, that we may be having?
2: If we do have the evidence up front, that's always helped out. It always helps out. We um, got that information where we can show, hey, yeah, you're claiming that ABC uh, trucking company was at this location at that time. You sent us this photograph saying that it was at that location. We have ways to uh, look in, you know, through a, a photograph that they claim they sent and look at the metadata and determine exactly where, where that picture was taken, you know, to contradict what they're saying. Was that picture actually taken on that day? Was that driver there? Uh, we also, you know, GPS recordings. Like I said, yeah. And our well, our driver was nowhere near that location where you're stating um, this. This photo was taken. He was actually across country making a delivery, so there is no way that our driver could, have, you know, actually struck your vehicle. Or uh, we have a video. Uh, well, this is a uh, you know the route that he took the whole time. The, the issue with a dash camera, though, sometimes is it's activated on the accident, so we have to, you know, take right. one a little bit. But um, okay. definitely the GPS records and and, and just being all on the lookout and being defensive can all avoid that.
1: Yeah. So if they dropped their claim, do we have any uh, recourse uh, to to go back at uh, uh, those people who filed a fraudulent claim against us, or do we ever do that?
2: So definitely a large majority of the of the states um, across the United States um, require the departments of insurance for those states require us once we determine that information. Yes, this was a fraudulent case, require us to report it to them. They go ahead and follow yeah. up with those uh reporting and they pass that over to their local, you know, state um whatever they might call that jurisdiction, but um state attorney or attorney general or whatever, um, but they go ahead and they, they do seek prosecution if, if, if the evidence is there and if there's enough to, to put a, a good case together, we'll go ahead and, and prosecute them for a fraud.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. Uh, how about, uh, is there an uptick in uh, jump-ins right now or what's going on in uh, that part uh, of our uh, fraudulent claims area?
0: Sure, Bob. Um, yeah, that's the second point that we wanted to bring up when you were talking about um, what kind of fraud trends we're seeing, and that is definitely the second thing we are seeing uh, an increase on. And just to touch on it, why why we believe we're seeing the uptick in the phantom accidents and in the jump-ins, um, I think it's partly due to you know uh, coming uh, you know this whole pandemic um, with COVID. It a lot of police agencies were being called to the, you know, to scenes of uh, alleged accidents, and some agencies were not responding. Um, some agencies were giving uh, case numbers over the phone. Some agencies were telling, um, you know, claimants to, uh, well, You know, we're not going to send an officer out there. You need to come to the come to the police department and file a claim here in person.
1: Uh, Alan, can you uh, briefly explain uh, to our listeners what a jump in is?
0: Sure. So a jump in is just um, just what the name implies. Um, An accident allegedly happened. uh, An accident happened. And then um, usually the police report will state and um, who the driver is of um, of the involved vehicles. But somewhere along the line, other people jump into the claim. So people that were not even on the accident report uh, surface and will contact Canal Insurance and say, "Hey, um, that accident involving you know in, involving your insured, uh, you know Trucking Corporation, um, I was in that other vehicle as well. The officer just didn't put my name on the report." So I mean, we get we're, we've seen an t- uptick in that. And um, it, and I, I believe it's happening because of some, like I said, a lot of the officers may may not be going to the scenes um, just because of the way we've been seeing law enforcement handling, um, you know, calls for service during the last two years. But um, you know, that's that that hopefully will come to a, a slow slowdown as uh, things kind of begin to normalize again but we still have tools at our disposal that mm-hmm. uh, that siu can use to try to defend against these kind of claims mm-hmm. um we actually i actually had a claim and where the same thing happens um I, I, an alleged jumped in uh into a claim and um you know i was in that car and we have access to different tools to include social media well through social media i was able to locate that individual find out that that individual wasn't even there on the scene that day that individual was actually someplace else in a totally different city um working and had posted a pic a a video of himself on facebook live doing something totally different so we were clearly able to disprove that they were present during the time of the accident um Show that it was fraud, and like you talked about earlier, what do we do when we find that hey, this is fraud, and we have evidence of fraud? We'll file a referral. We'll file a referral to the National Insurance Crime Bureau, yeah. to the, the State Department of Insurance, and ultimately to the law enforcement entities, and try to get those people prosecuted. So, but our insurance is important. Um, you know, one of the one of the one of the tips that I wanted to really get out there, um, especially for jump ins, to defend against these type of things is. When the officers respond to the scene of the accident, you know, talk to the officer and ask the officer, how many occupants were in that vehicle? A lot of the officers nowadays are wearing body camera. So you want to be able to capture the officer saying, there was only two occupants in that vehicle, you know, make sure that um, you know their names are included in that police report or the officer says, oh, I'm not sure. Well, can you find out for me how many, I mean, I need to report this back to my safety manager or my safety director. Um, if you can um, and you can do it safely, you know, if, Bring your iPhone out or whatever device you have, and uh, video video the scene. Take some photos of the vehicle involved in the accident. If you can see that it's unoccupied or occupied by one or two people, you know, try to get some photos of that. All of these things can definitely be the deciding factor in us being able to, you know, successfully fight a jump in fraud.
1: Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, a, of a, a, a bus accident that we were involved in, and uh, there were 20 passengers on the bus. And by the time we got the claim, there were 25 uh, passengers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, so, it happens. It happens yeah. a lot.
1: Yeah, well, it's yes, just uh, like uh, people think they're going to get rich off of uh, the insurance companies, you know. So, wow, well, that's uh, uh, very, very uh, bad stuff. Okay, uh, Izzy? Uh, yes. yes, sir. So as far as cargo theft is concerned what are what are we seeing these days
2: So uh basically so the two major cargo theft the, the two, 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 two styles of cargo theft that we're we're seeing mostly is you know complete theft um of the where they steal the tractor and the trailer um and then you have a pilferage uh pilferage is basically when they are uh, driver is parked somewhere you know they could be sleeping in the cab or they go inside real quick to uh you know shower you know been several hours so we will stop at these truck shops and provide food and uh, showering they'll go in there and while they're doing that they'll, they'll break into the break the seal and go in and take remove it. a couple of items not usually just a couple of items enough for the driver not to notice or um to go ahead sometimes enough to take a whole they'll take a whole pallet um, but that's not the entire load, it's pretty much just taking items um, a little bit off the top. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, basically, um, the second is the complete cargo theft where they go ahead and steal the tractor and trailer. And the way they do this is they'll follow our driver. They'll do a kind of like a covert surveillance of our driver leaving uh, you know, the warehouse where they pick up, let's say for example, uh, washing machines. Or electronics or TVs, whatsoever, um, they'll follow them for a couple miles to where they make that first stop. And as soon as the driver gets parks and, you know, for example, goes in the bathroom, or goes inside the convenience store, uh, they'll quickly uh, get in that cab, steal the tractor, and just move it a couple blocks away. And then they'll go ahead and they'll get their own stolen tractor from another theft, just the cab itself, uh, the main unit. And they'll hitch it onto the, the stolen um, trailer and they'll drive away with that until they hit the destination several miles after where they all they will take it to like a warehouse or undisclosed location where they're on the, uh, the washing machine and they'll sell it in the black market. Um, yeah. So it's it's a very complicated, uh, not complicated, I guess the, the concept is very basic, but uh, it's complicated in the sense that they have multiple drivers uh they have lookouts uh they do covert surveillance they communicate over radio um it's it, it's usually done by rings um, when we yeah. see these trends uh you know they'll start off and they'll commit these steps in georgia next thing you know they're driving south to south florida or they'll drive to texas on the border and the next thing you know these washing machines we just stole are in mexico <laughs> or being sold on facebook or Facebook Marketplace or something
1: to that effect. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of that stuff at the flea markets down here in South Florida. Yeah.
2: So, definitely, that that more than likely, you know, I'm not saying they all did, but a lot of the times yeah, they, they, they come from these cargo thefts on schools. And everything will range from uh, we're seeing from construction materials uh, to plywood, lumber, anything high demand in the industry to liquor, food, consumables. Usually, the food is very good to get rid of because it doesn't have serial numbers or anything to track it. You know, you get more complicated when you're stealing, you know, laptops, iPads, and stuff to that effect where it can be tracked or blocked, uh, which it doesn't work. But um, the foods, the consumables, the clothing, the electronics, uh, simple electronics, television, stuff like that, they can't really be traced. That's mostly uh, what gets stolen. Yeah. Um, And go ahead.
1: I, 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 nationwide uh, what is the number one uh cargo that is being stolen right now? i'd say
2: i i'd say i go back to the consumer uh because it's not it's, it's untraceable um we've had everything ranging from uh a truckload uh full of uh, johnny walker um liquor to uh just t-shirts to um sheet metal we had a uh, there was a time there where he had two back-to-back big thefts of copper. Uh, copper is very valuable and uh, kind of hard to trace. Yeah. So that's definitely what we've seen in the past. Uh, and, and going back to uh, something that Alan mentioned, uh, this, this is probably increasing uh, just because uh, production is still playing catch-up because of COVID you know, all the recovery and the shortage of, of, of goods here and there. And, and we think these loads are valuable. A valuable
1: specialty in the, in the black market. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, COVID hasn't had a lot to do with the increase uh, of uh, cargo theft. And uh, okay. uh, I know food and, and clothing is uh, probably the easiest thing uh, to steal because it doesn't have any serial numbers or traceable uh, information on it. So Absolutely. for our listeners, you know, who are, uh wondering uh, you know what kind of freight should i haul what's safe and what's not safe you know if if it doesn't have a serial number you know it's it's not safe so uh, uh, i know one time uh, i was uh, informed on a claim uh, a truckload of baby diapers were stolen and uh, I, I guess that uh, is a, a baby diapers, paper towels, and toilet paper. <laughs> so well,
2: that's definitely uh, the kind of stuff you can sell at a flea market, you know, Yeah. or uh, on the internet. So, so yeah. you don't have to worry about this having traced back.
1: Yeah, well, I know, you know, it's easy to blame everything on COVID, but cargo theft has been around forever. So, um, you know, having said that, uh, I want to make sure that our listeners are very aware that uh, if they're at a truck stop, shut your truck off and lock your truck. A lot of truck stops that I've gone to in the past, uh, drivers uh, just leave their trucks idling all the time. They leave the keys in it. You know, uh, when that happens, uh, they can seal the truck trailer and everything. So uh, let's talk a little bit about minimizing the risk. Uh, uh, so. Uh, what is some of the best ways where we can uh, minim- minimize having your uh, cargo stolen?
0: Yeah, uh, Bob. So, um, one of the things, and it's, um, I'm sure you've heard this before and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have heard it as well. Um, it's a, uh, a very popular saying in the industry, cargo at rest is cargo at risk. You know, um, yeah, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, trying to get that cargo delivered from the, from the minute you took possession of it, trying to get it delivered as soon as you can to its destination. So some of the things we would tell our insureds and, you know, is, um, when do we pick up the uh, cargo? Um, what's, what's the schedule look like? Are we picking up uh cargo um, just before a long weekend, right? Holiday weekends. Those are usually the highest target times for cargo theft. Um, the, the, um, the bad guys know that, um, you know, things are shut down for long weekends, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Mondays are closed. So a lot of trucks and trailers are parked uh, waiting to be unloaded when the um, when the receivers are open back up for business again on Tuesday. So those those holiday weekends, we got to be careful with those extended weekends um, and having cargo sit somewhere somewhere. Um, like Izzy mentioned e- earlier, some of these crews that target cargo are very sophisticated and will follow you away so you have to be on the lookout um, am i being followed from the, by the same um, car as, as i'm driving from one state to another? Um, did you notice the same individual follow you inside the rest stop we've had uh, we've had insureds that we've been able to later after the fact, after the theft has taken place, we've been able to pull um, surveillance camera video footage of the suspects who have been later identified and arrested by law enforcement, actually follow our insured uh, drivers into the rest stops where they're now acting as a lookout to um, signal that the coast is clear, the driver is occupied inside the rest stop area now in the convenience side or showering, whatever the case may be, to steal. So. Always being being on the lookout for possibly being followed away. Keep it in mind where you're. You know when when this has to be delivered. You know time constraints. Will you have to hold the cargo overnight? If so, um, you know what are your choices for parking? You know uh, what's the safest place you can park? You know well-lit area. Um, is it possible to park in an enclosed uh, lot with uh, fencing and locks or security guard? Um, do you have anti-theft devices and GPSs, um, either in, in your tractor, in your trailer, or hidden and secreted somewhere inside the load? There's all kinds of electronics nowadays that can potentially help us recover um, that load if um, you know with a small investment. Um, so that definitely goes in, into that. How to how to be safer while we're um, you know minimizing those exposures you know doing what doing what we have to do which is keeping american going you know and delivering the goods that that we need to uh deliver
1: yeah i, I noticed uh on a long holiday weekend our uh walmarts and uh our uh, empty uh parking lots uh, near the interstate where i live uh always uh, has a, a bunch of trucks in there on the weekends and uh, I guess that's good and bad, but uh, one thing about a Walmart parking lot, it's always under camera surveillance. So I guess that's a good thing uh, if you're not going to have a good place to park your trucks. Um, a lot of drivers take their trucks home, which is also good. Uh, but uh, when you have to leave your trucks five, 10 miles away from your house, uh, they want to always want to make sure that they park that truck where there's at least some kind of surveillance going on.
0: Yeah, and and and, ad, and in addition to that, if if you can position the vehicle in a way where, um, you know, if you know that there's cameras, for example, in that lot, position your vehicle in a way that the driver's side of the of the tractor can be seen. That's a good um, point. You know, yes. can can we back up the trailer, um, you know, against some fixed object where they would not be able to, you know, you know, uh, cut the locks and uh, pilfer from the back of that trailer. So, I mean, things to keep in mind, um, you know, we're, we're here to fight fraud. We're here to fight theft, and we're here to minimize and keep, keep costs down to all of our insurance we all pay ultimately we all, we all pay. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Izzy, uh, real quick on, uh, where do we park, uh, uh, high traffic areas versus, uh, remoteness? What would you recommend?
2: Definitely. Um, if you can plan ahead, you know, a lot of drivers uh, have their, their spots where they always park their trucks in between, you know, transports. If they can go ahead and keep it like I like said, in a secure location, you know, fenced in, in between. And, 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 and in combination with the cargo theft, we also get our tractors and, tra- and trailers stolen um, that are later on used in other cargo thefts. So yes, definitely try to be in a high traffic area, you know, a lot of visibility, if you don't have that opportunity, you have to park somewhere where, where there's not a lot of visibility, try to make a, you know, a couple of drive-bys in between. Um, you know, fortunately, the criminals, you know, know this. Um, they, they, they study this, they do research, a lot of them, you know, not all of them, but sometimes they're, they're ex-drivers, so they, they're aware of what the patterns that the other drivers do when they communicate with each other. Um, you know, a lot of drivers like to take advantage and, and schedule their loads where they'll be home to visit their family during the holiday. Um, so that's when we have the issues where they'll drop off, uh, you know, it'll be a long weekend. You know, and they'll stay, they'll drop off a load on Friday to be delivered on Monday, but they'll take advantage and they'll spend the whole uh, time home on that Saturday and Sunday. And sometimes, you know, they get distracted with the family and they don't go and keep an eye on the truck. And next thing you know, um, Sunday comes around. And Monday comes around, they go pick up the truck. The Truck's gone on Sunday, on Saturday. But yeah, definitely um, high traffic areas. Um, try not to be where it's very remote. Um, where there's cameras, like like Alan said, try to try to park it in a place with cameras and and, and facing, uh, and it's well lit. Well lit areas work for everything. Whether it's um, to to prevent uh, burglaries in your house, to prevent breakings in your car at your house. You know, keep your house lit. Um, always park in a well-lit parking lot It prevents criminals. Criminals are like cockroaches, they're afraid of the light. Uh, we've yeah, always said that. For sure. Um definitely uh going back to uh parking close to the buildings uh, to avoid the pro- pro- bridges and uh just, just plan ahead. If you plan ahead and, and you do your best, you know, um, there's a saying in, in criminal investigation, target hardening. You know, just make it more difficult for the criminals. They're always gonna go for the, the easier bait. You know, yeah. they're going to go for you know the, the dark, unrestricted, uh, unfenced uh, tractor that's just there and it's been there for a couple of days and nobody's driven around to look at it. That's the one they're going to go for. So just make it harder for them to feel sure. your load.
1: Yeah. Hey, how about uh, if, if, if no matter where I'm at, I go to the truck stop, I go to a rest area. Uh, Alan, explain to us what would be the best way to park your truck? and uh leave your truck should you leave your truck running should you leave your keys in it uh what what do you what's your thought on that
0: well um you touched on this earlier you know the the best thing obviously is not to leave the truck running if you if you don't if you don't have to if you can avoid that and lock everything up take those keys with you it's great i know and i come from a i have truck drivers in my family and they would tell me all the time, like, well, once that engine starts, I'm not turning it off. There's a, there's always that, there's always that fear that it, that that may not kick back on again for whatever reason. Um, but there, there are, there is no lock out there that is completely 100% fail-proof. But I've seen it. Um, you've seen it out there in the truck stops. Um, you see it in industry magazines and different things out there. Um, they are some pretty good locks that are being made um, that make it very um, difficult. Let's just say for uh, for the bad guys to um, you know to break into the back of the trailer. Um, I've even seen um, lock systems that. Are applied around the air brake valve for the you know the trailer in the truck that's in the cab. That if you can't release those brake valves and you can't tamper with the hosing to um, to release it, that truck and trailer is not going nowhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, going back to what Izzy was talking about and what we mentioned earlier, um, you know, park in close vicinity to to the convenience store side. You know, the, the glass side. If you're going to go inside and your trailer's outside. Um, a lot of a lot of truck drivers now are either issued dash cameras or purchasing their own and we've actually been successful in seeing the theft in progress um not in progress my apologies after the fact we've seen the theft of one of our insured vehicles captured on another driver's dash cam so if you can position your truck and trailer as safe as you can um, you know, due to light, lighting, and cameras that may be present, or the physical building that is there. If none of those are there, can you position it in a way where the fronts of other trucks may be able to capture your truck um, in its image? Because we've been able to now see that um, other off, other drivers are leaving their dash cams running 24/7, and That's even the, even law enforcement, sheriff's office, state state highway patrols, they 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 know that now. And now um sometimes they'll they'll go and they'll look or you as an as a, one of our insured drivers, you go and look. Hey, you you're you you have a dash cam. Did it was it on? You might have seen who broke into this. Let 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 them know what happened. Everybody, everyone wants to cooperate in this industry with each other. Drivers look after drivers. Um, so whatever you get, that's just evidence for us to. Quickly obtain. If we could develop any leads, we're going to get into law enforcement's hands, and we're going to, you know, try to run with it as much as we can. Yeah.
1: So if I'm dropping my trailer, for instance, uh, and I want to take my tractor home, yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure uh, you would recommend that we put a fifth wheel lock on the uh-huh. trailer or something like that, right?
0: Correct. Definitely put a lock on that uh, trailer. Um, earlier, I mentioned GPS devices. Um, Some of them are really, really affordable nowadays. um, And some of them are self-contained with uh, lithium batteries that um, don't uh, turn on until it senses motion. So, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, safety and security tools out there.
1: Well, that's a lot to digest, you know, with all the safety uh, aspects that are available uh, to our truckers out there. So, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alan and Ismail as much as I did and gained some valuable insight into protecting your cargo against theft. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Holland Notes.
2: Want to make sure you never miss a Holland Notes episode? Head to the link in the show notes to sign up for email notifications.